Welcome to the podcast for New Philadelphia Nazarene. We're so glad you chose to join us today, and we hope that today's message will be an encouragement to you in your walk with the Lord. For more information about the ministries of New Philadelphia Nazarene, please visit us on the web at www.npnaz.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Again, we hope today's message is an encouragement for you, and we hope to connect with you in the future. God bless. So this morning, we're going to move into the third chapter of the book of James, and and uh, I love the book of James. It just gets better and better and better as we study it and as we work through it. I have, I have read the book of James countless times. Um, I, I've preached through it several times, uh, a couple times for us here, and, and this next chapter that we're going to look at, chapter 3, is a challenging one. So I kind of hope that you're prepared as we kind of buckle in here and we we dive into this chapter together. Now, this is not the first time that James talks about controlling our tongues. In fact, in the opening chapter of James, he says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. One of my, my very good friends is a man that I trust uh, immensely. He, he's our brother, and his name is Dean Holland. Uh, most of you who are watching this morning will know him or know of him. He also serves on our city council. Dean is a man that is filled with many years of wisdom and life experience. Uh, from time to time, not lately, but from time to time, I get a chance to sit down with Dean and maybe over some breakfast or just popping into his house and or he'll come into the office. And I get to just kind of tell Dean what's on my heart uh, maybe share with him some of the challenges of being a, a pastor, a leader, a father, a husband. And every time that I sit and I talk with Dean, for the most part, and most some of you will know this, he'll just listen. He just listens to you. And he thinks and he processes. Now, my mind does not work this way. Uh, not that one of us is better, although I do think that Dean's way is better, but my mind does not work this way. Unfortunately, I'm the type of person that just likes to lay it all out on the table and then start picking up the pieces. Uh, Because I want to try to figure out a solution fairly quickly. But my friend Dean, he'll just listen. And then if I am fortunate, he eventually will speak. He will say something, and when Dean talks... Dean, if you're listening this morning, when you talk, I listen. I listen to what he has to say. I listen because I know that in that moment, Dean is demonstrating for me right there in real life what it means to be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's a mark of wisdom. It's a mark of maturity. The Proverbs say this, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth, I love this, can ruin everything. Amen, right? The scripture is really clear in the caution against the damage that can be done with what we say. The Bible's clear in the warning to choose our words very carefully, to to listen first and, and to refrain from saying the things that don't need to be said. But let's be honest, it's just not always that easy. It's not. Sometimes we just have to say what we're thinking, right? Sometimes we just need to have other people hear our opinions. Sometimes we just have to make sure that the other person knows how wrong they are. We have somehow managed to make it our spiritual gift. 
yet it is not one. The tongue, the words that we use, the things that we say, and even the way that we say these things can cause significant damage. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 12 verses there together of James chapter 3. It begins with this. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our, Father, our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come from pouring, come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. I want to just kind of hit on a few things from this passage, and then we're going to focus in on some, some, a couple different things together. There's probably about three to four sermons in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. But you are only going to get one today. So in the first couple of verses, James starts with a warning that is really applicable to those who choose to serve as preachers and teachers. And he's pretty straightforward. He says, you who choose to accept that responsibility will be judged with greater strictness. The reason for this is not because we live in glass houses, meaning that everyone is watching what we do or do not do, and they're forming their own opinions of us based upon those things, and all of those things are accurate. Uh, but, but those who accept this call become responsible for leading a group of people in their understanding and in their knowledge of God. Can I say that again? Those who accept the call to preach and to teach are accepting the responsibility that comes with leading a group of people in their understanding and in their knowledge of God. And here's the problem. When they are lacking in understanding and self-control, they end up hindering the growth and the progress that God intends for his church. So there's an increased level of responsibility that is required here. This is why James says, listen, most of you should not even consider doing this because it's too hard. And look what he says in verse 2. He says, no one is perfect. We all make mistakes, even me. I make mistakes. I don't always get it right. I don't always bite my tongue when I shouldn't. And for that, I am thankful for the mercy of God in my life. 
and for the forgiveness that I have received from him. Just as I am thankful for the mercy and the forgiveness that those who work for me, who work with me, and those who follow me are willing to extend to me because I don't always do it correctly. And then in verses 3 through 5, James explains the power of the tongue. It's just a small member of the body, yet it wields so much power and so much control. And he compares it to the bit that is placed in the horse of the mouth. And if you don't know what that is, the bit is the tiny little metal piece and it's attached to the bridle, which is the the leather strap. And that bit goes in between the teeth where where the mouth is most sensitive. And just with the tiniest tug, the tiniest pull, it can trigger the horse to go one direction or another, just a tiny little thing. He paints a picture of a rudder. The rudder, in comparison to the size of a boat, is so very, very small. And that little tiny piece of wood or that little tiny piece of metal can change the course of an entire ship, an entire boat with just the smallest tweak. He goes on describing the tongue as a fire, a fire that can set an an entire forest on fire. And he says that tongue has been placed into our bodies. It is a part of us, but at its core, it is a world of wickedness. A world of iniquity, some translations say. What he means by this is that the tongue in and of itself is a hotbed of potential sin. And that has the potential to impact our entire body. The tongue, he says, unlike any other wild creature that roams the earth, it cannot be tamed. Well, great, Pastor. Why are we even having this sermon? The tongue cannot be tamed. Pastor Kevin and I were talking about this before service. You get to that one part and here it's like, well, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Thanks, James. I am encouraged today. Don't turn off your TVs. Don't turn off your computer. We do have a way for this to be handled. But you can do nothing about it. It cannot be controlled under your own power, under your own authority. And then the last part, he says this, the tongue has dual personalities. And this is This is so important for us, church. We might call it talking out of both sides of our mouth. You see, on one hand, we stand in places of worship like this or in our homes, and we sing, and we pray, and we say nice things. Oh, it's so good to see you. God bless you, brother. I love that dress. That's the most wonderful thing in the world. And then we go home, and we call our friends like, did you see that dress? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe what pastor said today. I don't know why they haven't opened up the doors yet. I am so sick and tired of this. And we hate our neighbor and we're bitter with our spouses and we verbally abuse our children and our wives and our husbands and we we spew hate through social media and we spread lies and misinformation as we like and share everything we see on Facebook because it just seems right. The same tongue, two different spirits. James says, this cannot be. Purity and impurity, fresh water and brackish water, salt water and fresh water cannot reside in the same place. Death and life cannot come from the same source. Now, it would be a mistake for us to pigeonhole this entire teaching from James into something that deals only with the literal words that we use, because it's also the way in which we conduct ourselves the manner of how we say things. You see, our tongue is such a dangerous weapon. You see, here James deals with how damaging our speech can be, but but there are also issues of lying and slandering, gossip, boasting, grumbling, all of which he addresses 
in his letter. But his focus here is on our speech and how we say things. It's important because even if we are free from the line and we're free from the slandering and we're free from the gossip, the problem rests in how we say things. How we say something sometimes reveals, louder than we even realize at the time, our attitude and our commitment to Jesus, and it puts it on full display. That's when you begin to hear things like, well, (laughs) if that's what being a Christian is like, I'm really not interested. Or you may hear, so that's what they're teaching at your church? For you to behave like that, for you to talk like that, for you to act like that, for you to spew that kind of venom, that's what they teach at your church? Why would I want to go there? The most powerful tool we have as followers of Jesus Christ is not how smart we are about the Bible, it's not our Christian merit badges, it's not our record of large financial gifts, it's the influence that we have that is lived out in our testimony to all of those around us. And oftentimes, our testimony is found in our words and in our behavior, not just our story. You see, your words are either building and cultivating relationships or they are weakening and destroying relationships. You might say it this way, you're either a builder or you are a breaker. A builder is is approaching every existing and potential relationship with the mindset of Christ-like love that that is full of grace and love and compassion. A builder is, like James says in the very beginning, slow to speak and quick to listen. They are this way because they understand that sometimes the very first thing that comes out of our mouth can often be driven by our nature rather than the nature of God. They are this way because they understand that to be a builder and to cultivate a relationship takes time and it takes patience and these things cannot be done hastily. They require wise choices, but a breaker... A breaker is someone that approaches every relationship with the mindset that it is disposable. The relationship is not that important to them. A breaker speaks their hearts before they have had a, a chance to hear the heart of God. A breaker doesn't understand or doesn't even care about what the other person might think or feel, but they just blurt out the first thing that comes to their mind, or they post the first thing that comes to their mind, or they share the first thing they see without wondering, without pausing to think about what the heart of God would be saying. And you can read it all over these people, not just in their words, which may be smooth as butter, but it's also in their actions, their demeanor, their face, which many times will just simply say, I don't care. Builders see the value of the relationship, something that God has designed and God has ordained. You see, he created us for fellowship with him and he created us for fellowship with one another. That's part of the reason why we crave this. God designed us and created us for this. But breakers are driven by their own pride. And while they don't always intend to do this, they often end up destroying relationships and they burn bridges as they go 
through life. The, the struggle or the challenge with this teaching of James is that he doesn't clearly identify a solution. In fact, he tells us, <laughs> you can't do anything about this. He tells us the problem, it's our tongue, but the solution is not addressed clearly in this specific passage. But if we look at all of James' teaching, all of it is centered around the basic things that are important for a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we've talked over the past few weeks about how we deal with the pressure of life that comes as being a follower of Jesus, how we live out this incredible faith that we have in Jesus, how we must be passionately pursuing Jesus as we follow him. And now James says, you have got to get your tongue under control. And this, James says, is why it's important. Your words and the manner in which you communicate demonstrate to a non-believing world what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You get that? Your words and the manner in which you communicate demonstrate to a non-believing world what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, James had a big brother, and he said this. It was Jesus, by the way. He said, so now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. He says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, being able to tame our tongues, being able to keep under control the, the, the one member of our bodies that can cause the most significant damage far beyond our physical reach, far beyond what we can even fully understand at times, comes down to one simple thing, loving one another. Last week, when I talked about how the, the state of the church is strong, but it must get stronger, this is one of the areas in which we must and we can get stronger. And that is in how we as individuals communicate to a non-believing world what it looks like and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Part of what it looks like, part of what it means is being able to keep our mouth in check, our tongue in check, to have an attitude and have a, a demeanor that acknowledges that things are not always going to be perfect. Amen? Amen? Things are not always going to be the way that we would want them to be. But that doesn't allow what is wrong in this world to dictate how we respond as forgiven people. Last week in our prayer room on Monday night, uh, Macria LaRue shared this. I slightly edited it to make it work here. But this is what she said. She said, I thank you for my weaknesses. I thank you for the thorns in my flesh. May you brilliantly shine through these, Lord. Just think about that for a minute. Look at those words for just a minute. I thank you for my weaknesses. I thank you for the thorns in my flesh. May you brilliantly shine through these, Lord. That, that is a complete shift of mindset. Thank you, Lord, for the things that I'm going through right now, the things that aren't right. Not because I enjoy them. No one, no one looks at a literal thorn in their flesh and goes, well, this is fantastic. I love this. No one breaks a leg or breaks an arm and goes, well, this is the best day of my life. My buddy bought a new truck this week. Guess what happened yesterday? He hit a deer. 
I'm just guessing when he got out of the truck, he didn't go, well, praise Jesus. This is fantastic. I hit a deer in my brand new truck. That's not what McCree is saying here. That's not what the Apostle Paul was saying when he, he planted this idea. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, listen, so to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a messenger to torment me and keep me from being proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. God, please take this away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, Paul says, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and in the, the broken pickup trucks and in the thorns and the broken legs and the negative checking account balance and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. We rejoice in these things not because we love misery, not because we're a sucker for punishment, but because it is through these thorns in our flesh that the brilliant love of God can shine through. The world is watching, guys. The world is watching your life, your neighbors are watching. They see you get up on most Sunday mornings and make your way to church. They see you walk out your front door in your church clothes, and they see you, and they go, oh, they go to church. And then they're watching you Monday through Saturday, and they're putting those two things together. They're watching your Facebook feed where you share a photo about how Jesus loves them and how they need to give their lives to the Lord, and then you bash people online, figures, political figures, leaders of our country. How does that reconcile with your faith? How does your love for Jesus Christ reconcile with your disdain for a president or a congressional leader or a doctor or anybody? You see, our words are powerful and they have a reach far beyond what we can imagine. And we should never, ever take their potential lightly. Never underestimate the ability that you have as a follower of Jesus Christ to be a builder or a breaker. And much of it rests in what you say, what you do not say, and in the attitude that you demonstrate. So perhaps you find yourself battling the tongue. Perhaps if you're being honest with yourself, you could admit that there are times that your attitude and your behavior do not emulate a Christ-like spirit. Perhaps you would look back on your life, maybe not in its entirety, but just in some cases and say, I have done a lot of breaking and I need to do more building. James makes it clear, this is a problem. It affects everyone and chances are you are not going to conquer it on your own. So what do I do? How do I deal with this problem in my life. We ask God to put out the fire of wickedness and to fill us with the fire of the Holy Spirit. 
This needs to be your prayer. And for many of us, it needs to be our prayer on a regular basis. Maybe when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we need to pray is, God, would you remove the fire of wickedness from my tongue and would you fill me with the fire of your Holy Spirit? See, our, our, our desire needs to be that the Spirit of God would indwell us. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. He said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. But listen here, what you say flows from what is in your heart. You see, it is, it is out of the overflow of your heart, your spirit, that the words of your mouth will proceed. It is out of the overflow of your heart that your attitude will proceed there is nothing we can do about it. Nothing. But there's something God can do about it. There's something that God wants to do about it as he seeks to make you more and more into a perfect reflection of his righteousness. This morning as the team comes to lead us in a song of commitment, I, I want to challenge you with this. First, God desires to make you into a new person. You don't hear, hear this. God desires to make you into a new person. But to become something new requires getting rid of the old. And it's not always an easy process. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes there's a thorn in, in your flesh. And man, it hurts. And, and you plead with God, man, God, would you just, would you please take this from, this really hurts. It's causing me a lot of discomfort. It's causing me a lot of pain. God says, hold on a second. My grace is sufficient. In your weakness, I become strong. There are things that we're going to face in this life that God is going to use to refine us even further. Learn to rejoice in that suffering. Just like Macria said, so that God could brilliantly shine through. And if you find yourself fighting this battle, it's a battle that many of us fight. I think over the course of my life, I've probably only met a couple handfuls of people that really seem to have surrendered this part of their lives to God. So it's a battle that a lot of us fight. The prayer for my own life and the prayer that I would challenge you, encourage you to say today is that God would put out the fire of wickedness in your heart and fill you with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And then that you would then start living in that new fire. Start living in that new promise of God you pray with me heavenly father we are thankful that as we look at something like james teaching here we can understand that while we cannot solve this problem on our own you in your strength can and will and so god we ask today that you would remove from us that fire of wickedness that you would remove from us that iniquity and that you would fill us with the fire of your Holy Spirit. 
And God, we believe that you will be faithful in that promise because your word tells us that you will be. But we also must understand today, God, that as you indwell in us, it creates a spirit of obedience. It creates a passion for your purity in us. So God, help us as we walk in step with you to understand that our lives will change. Our lives must change. How we handle things, how we respond to things, the decisions that we make become a reflection of you living in us. God, as we sing this morning, would you speak to our hearts? Remind us, teach us, show us where you're still working. And I pray that we would be receptive to that in this moment. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Be sure and join us later this week for After Hours as we sit down and discuss this week's teaching. You can find more information about the ministries of New Philadelphia Nazarene by visiting us on the web at npnaz.org or by finding us on your favorite social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.